Good to see you this morning. Uh, by the way, if this is your first time here, we are so glad that you've chosen to uh, worship with us today. So I want to just be the first to welcome you, hopefully not the first. Uh, we have a pretty friendly church and we try to make it so you can't get in the door without somebody shaking your hand and telling you that uh, they're glad you're here. But we are glad that you're here. And if you have any questions about what a Fellowship Greenville Church is all about, I'd encourage you to drop by our first time guest center out in the west end of the commons. And there'll be some friendly people there that can uh, answer all your questions. Maybe not all your theological questions, but uh, you know, like if you're gonna ask about election or predestination or that kind of thing, you might talk to somebody else. But anyway, they can tell you a lot about our church. And so drop by there. If you attend here on a regular basis, by the way, one of the things we want you to know about us is that most Sunday mornings we are uh, teaching our way, preaching our way through whole books of the Bible. And currently we are studying our way through the New Testament book of Ephesians. And it's been really eye-opening over the weeks to see God's plan for God's church revealed in the pages of that ancient letter. And we'll be back to that next week, but this morning is gonna be a little bit different. We are uh, pushing pause on our Ephesians study to give you an update on something that we talked about back in April, this brand new ministry opportunity that we call the Upstate Church Collective. Now, as I said, back in April, uh, I laid out a vision for uh, the future of Fellowship Greenville, which involves a partnership uh, with Summit Church to advance the gospel in the upstate, a partnership which is now called the Upstate Church Collective. And back in April, we, I told you about Jason Malone, who was on staff here as pastor of announcements for, uh, and student ministry uh, for about 10 years. And then he went and he started Summit Church and they have four campuses now. And then as God would have it, uh, he, uh, he has come back to Fellowship uh, Greenville to be the point man for the collective and this partnership uh, with Summit to help make uh, this vision a reality. Now, just by the way, uh, what Jason also does here is he's over what we call spiritual formation, meaning he oversees everything that has to do with making disciples who make disciples and equipping uh, us all for the work of uh, ministry, and he's over leadership development here at Fellowship Greenville. But back to the collective, the mission statement for the Upstate Church Collective is very direct, it's straightforward, it's simple, it's to the point, and that is this. Our desire, what I mean by that, the, the desire of Fellowship Greenville and Summit Church is to raise up the next generation of church leaders with the character and competencies for faithful lifelong ministry, to raise up the next generation of church leaders with the character and the competencies they need for faithful lifelong ministry. And in just a moment, Jason's gonna come and he's gonna flesh, out, uh, flesh that out for us and he's gonna catch us up on everything that's been done, all the work that's been done since April to prepare for this uh, exciting new ministry opportunity that starts this coming uh, January. And just let me tell you, Jason has been doing a fantastic job as he's been leading a team of about 12 people 
And I, I just can't believe how much work that uh, this team has been able to accomplish in such a short time, and it is very, very exciting. And I, I, that's not an overstatement for me. Uh, when I say it's very exciting, I mean it's very exciting to me personally, because as I shared with you back in April, this whole idea of discipling local church leaders and, and the idea of having a residency program uh, here has been on my heart. It goes back, really goes back decades, and here's why. Paul, the Apostle Paul, gave his young son in the faith, Pastor Timothy, a charge. Paul gave Timothy a charge as a pastor. It was central to his ministry as a pastor. And Paul said this in 2 Timothy 2.2. He said, the things that you have heard from me in the presence of many, uh, uh, many witnesses, these entrust to faithful people, faithful men and women who will be able to teach others also. So Paul had discipled and equipped Timothy for the work of gospel ministry. And he was saying to Timothy, Timothy, what I have taught you, teach to others who will in turn teach others. And so Paul is looking uh, forward to the next generation of, of church leaders who would be advancing the gospel after Paul had left the scene. Now, this, uh, what Paul is saying here to Timothy is, uh, it's just a simple restatement of the great commission that Jesus gave the church in Matthew chapter 28 when he said, go and make disciples of all nations and baptize them. In other words, identify them with me and my church. And then he says, this is my paraphrase, he says, and teach them what I taught you. Teach them what I taught you. The church, this church, this is, the church is not a cul-de-sac where we come each week and we simply enjoy great worship and, and solid teaching and fellowship with one another. As important and as essential as all that is, that's not our why. All of this, all of this that goes on here on Sunday Monday, all of this, the why behind all of this is to equip you to be passionately pursuing life and mission with Jesus. And here's the thing. To do what Paul tells Timothy to do with faithful leaders requires intentionality, strategy, partnerships, planning, organizing, and most of all, following the leadership of the Holy Spirit. And that is what the Upstate Collective is all about. So I'm going to ask Jason, come and I'm going to turn it over to him and he's going to lay a biblical foundation for all of this. And he'll catch you up on, uh, on the work that's been done since the last time we talked to you about it. Thanks, brother. Thanks, man. Well, I am so thankful for the opportunity I have this morning to share a bit more in regards to the Upstate Church Collective. Uh, there has been a lot of work going on behind the scenes over the past several months. Charlie's already said it, but I'll say it again. The purpose of the collective is to intentionally encourage and equip leaders for lifelong ministry. Whether those leaders be church planters or current pastors or those like so many of you here this morning that desire to be equipped and empowered to make disciples in your circle of influence or to possibly discover your leadership gifts to lead in your church, this church. You see, what I hope and honestly what I've constantly been praying 
is that each of you today would know that the Upstate Church Collective is actually for you on some level. Yet also, it's so much bigger than you. What I've been praying is that you would either be reminded today or maybe hear for the first time today that what we are presenting to you is not a uh, program of this church. It's not something a few people over here are doing. But what we're talking about throughout this morning, I would say, we would say in leadership here, is imperative for this moment in time in the life of our church family and prayerfully a catalyst for gospel advancement across the upstate for years and years to come. And I understand those two statements I just made are really big statements. Therefore, uh, before I share some specifics about the collective, I, I really wanna spend the bulk of our time this morning talking about the why behind the Upstate Church Collective. And as we talk about the why, we can work in what some of the specifics look like. You see, it's not coincidental that the collective is launching this January as soon as we're wrapping up our study through the book of Ephesians, a series that we did entitle God's Purpose for God's Church Revealed. Because the Apostle Paul has been constantly talking about the mystery that is the church, that all along, God's intention has been to populate this world with kingdom people, the church, big C. A diverse group who live together in unity under the headship of Jesus Christ. Remember Ephesians 2 tells us that God is making spiritually dead people alive through faith in Jesus Christ. And he's placing them into his church, a new community of people who are pursuing life and mission with Jesus. And don't miss what I said there because it is so incredible. God is making spiritually dead people alive. That's your story, that's my story, that's the story of so many others. And he's putting us into his church. This is a new community of people, a diverse but unified people that he has called to passionately pursue life and mission with Jesus all of our days. Or maybe I could say it this way. God is on a mission of redemption and his vehicle to accomplish his mission of redemption is the church. If you are a follower of Jesus, that's you. I am a follower of Jesus, it's me. It's us, we are the church. It is us living with intentionality where God in his kindness and sovereignty has placed us to make much of him and to live out in the everydayness of life how Jesus and the gospel changes all of life. And I never want that to be lost on us. That in all the time that is human history, your story of grace, my story of grace plays out right now. You could have lived at any point in time. You live now. Your story of grace plays out now in the places that God and his sovereignty has put you. And our theological convictions about the nature and the purpose of the church, they do have methodological, philosophical, and strategic implications. And that's been true for the history of Fellowship Greenville. There are things that we do around here methodologically and philosophically and strategically that come from our biblical conviction about the nature and the purpose of the church. What I'm trying to articulate is we aren't doing what we're doing with the collective because we don't have anything else to do. 
It's not simply an idea put together because we were bored. It's not in response to there was this thing called COVID and now we're coming out of COVID and we need to do something post-COVID that we weren't doing pre-COVID. What I hope you hear as we walk through our time together today is the Upstate Church Collective is another strategic outworking of biblical conviction. As a matter of fact, what we're desiring to accomplish with the collective is really based off of what we see with the early church. When you read through the book of Acts, which describes the birth of the church, it describes bold gospel proclamation, how the good news of Jesus Christ spread across regions. Acts describes the cost of discipleship and the beauty of racial and religious pride being thwarted because as Paul also says to the church at Ephesus, the dividing wall of hostility has been torn down through the blood of Jesus Christ. The book of Acts describes the rewards of walking with God with boldness and faithfulness. It's story after story of this proclamation. God is on a mission of redemption and his vehicle to accomplish his mission of redemption is the church. So if you would, this morning, take your Bibles, or maybe it's on your mobile device of choice, whatever you have with you there, and open it up to Acts chapter 11. Acts chapter 11 is where we'll spend our time this morning. I believe here you will find, we will find, another snapshot of our theological conviction in which the Upstate Church Collective is rooted. Acts chapter 11, I'll read verses 19 through 30. It says this. Now those who were scattered because of the persecution that arose over Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, speaking the word to no one except Jews. But there were some of them, men of Cyprus and Cyrene, who on coming to Antioch spoke to the Hellenists, also preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number who believed turned to the Lord. Verse 22 says, the report of this came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem, and so they sent Barnabas to Antioch. And when he came and saw the grace of God, he was glad and he exhorted them all to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose, for he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. And a great many people were added to the Lord. Verse 25 says, so Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. When he found him, he brought him to Antioch. And for a whole year, they met with the church and taught a great many people. And in Antioch, the disciples were first called Christians. Verse 27 says, now in these days, prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. One of them named Agabus stood up and foretold by the spirit that there'd be a great famine over all the world. This took place in the days of Claudius. So the disciples determined everyone according to his ability to send relief to the brothers living in Judea. And they did so, sending it to the elders by the hand of Barnabas and Saul. And so for context's sake, because I know, as Charlie has mentioned, we've been in Ephesians and not in Acts, Peter, who had walked with Jesus back in the day, he's one of the apostles, um, he, was, he was being criticized by the Jewish church in Jerusalem for his ministry to the Gentiles. And so here earlier in Acts 11, uh, he had told the leadership there that the Spirit of God was up to something and it was not exclusively Jewish. The gospel, the life-changing message and hope of the gospel, it is for anyone and everyone who will receive it. Which, interestingly enough, we also see Paul talking about to the church at Ephesus. 
Antioch was the third largest city in the Roman Empire. It was beautifully situated. It was a carefully designed city. It was a commercial center. It was home to a large Jewish community. It was also incredibly evil, sinful, with tons of immorality, ritual prostitution as part of their temple worship, which also sounds familiar if you've been listening to us as we teach through the book of Ephesians, the same thing's happening in Ephesus, right? But look back at verse 19 with me. We'll read it again. It says this, now those who were scattered because of the persecution that arose over Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, speaking the word to no one except Jews. Verse 20, but there were some of them, men of Cyprus and Cyrene, who on coming to Antioch spoke to the Hellenists, also preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number who believed turned to the Lord. We'll stop there for a moment. Uh, you may or may not know that a guy by the name of Stephen was the first uh, Christian martyr. You can read more of his story back in Acts chapter seven. The quick synopsis would be this. Uh, Stephen preached a sermon that ended up with him getting taken out into the streets and the people who disagreed with his sermon stoned him to death. Which, you know, Charlie, we get an email every now and then that they might not like something, but to date, no one's hauled us out into Highway 14 with big rocks. I point that out to say the church was under immense persecution and even in the midst of the pain and the suffering, the gospel still moves forward. Or maybe I could, a better way to say it was in the midst of pain and suffering, not just in the midst of it, but through it, through pain and suffering, the gospel keeps moving forward. The life transforming message of the gospel advances into new places because from the very beginning, the call of the church has been about mobilizing people, not simply collecting them. From the very beginning, the call of the church has been about mobilizing people, not simply collecting them. Or as I have already said, the gospel goes everywhere that God wants the gospel to go because the gospel goes in you as you and I live on mission in the places that God has put us. And here's what I love about these verses we just read. Christ followers who arrive in Antioch say, the church of Antioch says, we're gonna share and show the beauty of Jesus. We're gonna live out and articulate the hope of the gospel in this place, in this city. As a matter of fact, there seems to be this contrast between those who only wanted to talk about Jesus with those that were Jews just like them. You see that in these verses, right? But then there were some others who said, no, actually, we're gonna preach to the Greeks as well. As we start talking about the Upstate Church Collective, what I want you to know is it's just another strategic outworking of this point and this idea. We value reaching people not simply gathering with like-minded people. We value reaching people, not simply gathering with like-minded people. Now don't hear what I'm not saying. There is nothing wrong with gathering. I love it. Love coming together. We've celebrated that on a regular basis here. Sunday is actually my favorite day of the week. I'm all for it. But if the primary focus of the church is only on or mostly on the gathered times and there is no constant call for intentionality. There is no strategic 
plan for the mobilization of Christ's people, then we miss the opportunity right in front of us each day to actually be the church where we live and where we do life. Even here in the early church, the church in Antioch, you saw it, there was, these folks were persecuted and they were scattered and they did what? Shut their mouths? No. Hid in their house? No. Stop talking about Jesus because that's what got them driven out of the place they were in to begin with. No. They talked about Jesus. They shared the gospel. They lived out the fact that persecution has driven us here, but here where the persecution has driven us is our sphere of influence. And here in our sphere of influence is where we will make much of Jesus and the gospel. Were they living out the purpose of the church? You better believe it. Were they being intentional in their circle of influence? Absolutely. And because for some of you that have maybe grown up in or around the church, this is a familiar passage to you, I don't want the familiarity of the passage to you to make you miss actually what's being said here. One of the ways that I try to process through that is to put myself in their shoes. You and your family were talking about Jesus and that got you driven out of your home. Not to a new neighborhood down the street. Not out of one school and you can go drop into another school in the same town where you still kind of know everybody. Pick up and move. How far? Hundreds of miles. And then when you get there, what do you do? I'm gonna do exactly what I was doing that got me kicked out of there in the first place. And it's interesting what it says, right? It says the hand of the Lord was on them and a great number of people turned to the Lord. Why? Because the Lord is redeeming people and the vehicle to accomplish his mission of redemption is the church. A theological conviction that has strategic implications. So please know this about the Upstate Church Collective, we want to intentionally mobilize Christ's people. We desire to see the gospel break into different areas across the upstate and beyond, across counties and cities and towns and neighborhoods. And we believe that planting new churches, revitalizing existing churches is a biblical and strategic way to see the gospel continue to spread across this region. Planting new churches and revitalization of churches is a piece, it's a part of mobilizing Christ's people to reach a geography with the gospel. And here's what about everybody in this room knows. The upstate of South Carolina continues to grow. And with that growth has come new domestic and international businesses, new residents. And I don't think it's an overstatement to say this. In many ways, a lot of the world is moving to this area. What an opportunity. We have a swelling population that is diversifying culturally, and we believe that we have an incredible opportunity to see the church multiply into every part of the upstate and beyond. A conviction we have in leadership here and at Summit, we firmly believe that God has given us a place of influence as a church in this region. 
again, don't hear what I'm not saying, not better than, but definitely influence. So how do we steward that influence? We believe that he's inviting us to steward that influence in such a way that it leaves a legacy that's bigger than we could think, ask, or imagine. That he is asking us collectively to be a part of shaping the future of the Big C Church in this geography by raising up leaders for the church of today and the church of tomorrow. Not because we're great, but because it's what he's doing. He's redeeming people. Uh, the church is a uh, the church is a naturally reproducing organism. Like it's part of the brilliance of of God's design. Therefore, mobilizing people to reach their sphere of influence isn't a question of if we should. In leadership, we don't wrestle with if we should be about mobilizing Christ's people. Just what does it look like and where do we go? And when do we go there? Now here's the challenge. While the opportunities for mobilization and church multiplication and church revitalization are before us, popular culture as a whole is not just apathetic towards the church, it's increasingly hostile. America's post-Christian trajectory is pretty bleak. And I don't wanna rush past that point. I think it's important for some of you to hear us say this. It's not that America might be going post-Christian. It's not that it's in the process of post-Christian. We are post-Christian. What an opportunity. Research from the Barna Group suggests that in just the past 12 months, we experienced a decline in church attendance that was expected to take more than a decade. Let me say it this way, uh, church attendance on the whole was decreasing by about 2% a year pre-COVID. And in the last 12 to 18 months, there's been a 32% decrease. That's 15 years, I'll do some, we'll keep going with the math, I know it's Sunday. That's 15 years of decrease in 12 to 18 months. And I don't know how you hear that. I don't know how you process through that. You may be tempted to say, well, maybe those people weren't really invested in the church, but hang with me. We've also been told that the projection now is that 70,000 churches will close here in the United States within the next three years. And it's not just that churches are closing. It's the leaders of the churches that are stepping away from leading. A recent stat I read said 80% of pastors or ministry leaders will not be in ministry 10 years later. That's eight out of 10. Okay. And on average, seminary trained pastors last only five years in church ministry. Now I share uh, some of those numbers and believe me, there are many, many more. I'm not sharing them to uh, stoke fear. Um, I'm not trying to use discouragement as motivation. But I do think this, I think to lead well in what it is that God has called us to, it's imperative that we're familiar with the state of things. 
And you actually, the reason I share some of those numbers is you might actually be quite surprised because it's not the extent of the reality of what we have experienced here at Fellowship. Although we do know that some who are part of our church community pre-COVID are no longer part of our church community and they aren't a part of any church community. And I don't wanna rush past this, but I do want you to hear us in leadership just say, um, people aren't numbers to us. So when we hear that, when we know that, um, we don't just brush that off. So I need you to know that as a shepherd. What's interesting though, is that we actually see so many new people that are joining us, desiring to live on mission with us every week. The number of guest cards that are being filled out and people are stepping even during this hour into starting point to learn more about Fellowship Greenville. Just a few weeks ago, one of the largest membership classes we've ever had. And so the Lord in his kindness and grace are bringing people here who wanna be a part of what it is that the Lord has called us to do. But I think part of that is because from the very beginning, we have wanted to be, and I believe have been a church that's not simply doing church, but actually calling people to be the church. But in order to effectively multiply a gospel presence across this region, we need to continue to be about raising up disciples who have the character and the competency for faithful lifelong ministry. And it's interesting, like that's not just an idea we came up with. Even if you read here in Acts 11, you see that it was important to the church at Antioch. It seems like they had a similar conviction. Look back at verse 22. The report of this came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. And when he came, he saw the grace of God. He was glad and he exhorted them all to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose for he was a good man. He was full of Holy Spirit and of faith and a great many people were added to the Lord. So Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. And when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. And for a whole year, they met with the church and they taught a great many people. And in Antioch, the disciples were first called Christians. So the church in Jerusalem isn't sure what to think when they hear about Greeks in Antioch coming to faith in Jesus. And so they send a guy a guy by the name of Barnabas to check it out. Now, Barnabas had a pretty great reputation. He's known as being an encourager, a wise fellow. Here, just a great descriptor. Look at how he's described here. He's a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. Is that not wonderful? If someone were writing a note about you to somebody else, is this what's being jotted down? She's a good woman. She's a, he's a good man, full of Holy Spirit and of faith. I would want that to be said about me. I think it's a great, and it's a side note, it doesn't really do anything with the message. It's just this idea, like, how are you known in that regard? For some of you, your opinion, you know, it's like, this is Jimmy, and he has an opinion on all the things, and that's it. Like, that's how they would describe you. An opinion on all the things. People, uh, Barnabas shows up, and it says, the grace of God was evident. So people were coming to faith in Jesus, and there was evidence of God's grace in their lives. And Barnabas is so glad, and it says here in chapter 11 that he encouraged, that he exhorted them to remain faithful to the Lord. But look at what he also does. Uh, he doesn't just encourage them. He also goes to look for Saul, and he brings Saul back to Antioch to do what? To disciple these believers, to invest in them and equip them. How cool is that? 
Side note, Acts 7, Stephen martyred. Who's, hand, who's, who's holding on to the cloaks when all that's going down? Saul. And then Barnabas takes off, picks him up in Tarsus, and brings him back to these believers who had fled because of persecution. Like, think about how crazy that, how does that first meeting go? I'm really sorry about all of that. That was uh, <laughs> going on back then. My bad. I love the Bible. The Bible's fascinating to me. They want to invest in them. They want to equip them because you go, why was that so important? Because if you're going to, if, if you're going to mobilize the church to release the church, to be the church, then you must be discipling the church. You must prioritize discipling people. You must prioritize equipping people. And again, you see it here. This is church leadership is committed to the equipping. They're, they're committed in the early church to making disciples. These things go together, the mobilization and the discipling. Barnabas and Saul showed up and they love on them and they teach them and they equip them and they encourage them. And it's not a weekend conference. It's not just a week. It's not even for a month. It says here in verse 26 that they were there for an entire year discipling people. Was it making a difference? Well, here the disciples were first called Christians. The term actually only used three times throughout the New Testament. So here's what we can know about these disciples in Antioch. Their lives emanated the grace of God to the extent that they were known for belonging to Christ. So please hear as we talk about planting and revitalizing and all those things, I want you to hear me say this this morning. The Upstate Church Collective, we're also like we want to continue to make disciples who are committed to making disciples in their sphere of influence because I know that many of you are aware that we want to plant churches, we want to revitalize churches, but we're equally as committed to equipping those who want to grow as a disciple to make disciples. That's the reason, and you'll get more information even as you leave today, leave today or as you check out the website. We're developing three distinct leadership tracks within the collective in order to disciple and raise up leaders within the local church for the purpose of the local church. For you to lead in this church for you to be a disciple and make disciples here at Fellowship Greenville. Yeah, we're gonna plant churches and yeah, we wanna revitalize churches, but this is what I mean when I say the Upstate Church Collective is for you, but it's also bigger than you. Because here's what we know. We know that not everyone's a church planter. We know that not everyone's a church revitalizer, but our call in leadership is to mobilize all of Christ, all of Christ's people, not one or two, not just a handful, not just those who want to plant, not just those who want to revitalize. Our call in leadership is to mobilize all of Christ's people for the work of the ministry that the Lord has for you. And if that's the case, then we must be about making disciples who make disciples. And we have been, I know this to be true, both at Summit and here at Fellowship, we have been committed to that. We've been doing that on several levels through all the years, but the collective will be another opportunity for us to do so. It is an opportunity for you who are a part of Fellowship. You just wanna grow as a disciple who makes disciples. The collective's for you, but it's bigger than you. One other thing I wanna point out from the verses we just read, because I think it's central, again, to what we wanna model with the Upstate Church Collective 
is that we pick up on this. The church at Jerusalem sent Barnabas to the church at Antioch, and then Barnabas goes to get Saul in Tarsus and brings him back, and then they do take that entire year to disciple the believers there. And all of that really, what I think this drives home is that took some um, church partnership intentionality. I mentioned it's not a short trip from Jerusalem to Antioch. It's about 300 miles. It's another 100 miles to Tarsus to get Saul and then to travel back. And it's not just they're traveling. They're they're actually serving together. There was this commitment to collaborate together. And we want to model that within the collective. We want to collaborate with other churches. Through the Upstate Church Collective, we want to collaborate with other churches. Both Fellowship and and Summit have long held a common vision to meet the gospel need in the upstate. And in this, honestly, we would say sovereign season of strategic partnership, the leadership of both churches desires through the Upstate Church Collective to strategically use personnel. Like that has been happening. When Charlie talks about the 12 people sitting around the table that are building out the Upstate Church Collective, it's not just fellowship people's. There's collaboration from other churches that sit around that table. We wanna continue to be about that, using personnel. I don't know if you know this or not, but I still teach once a month at Summit. I'm on, get a load of this, this is a piece. I'm on staff at Fellowship Greenville. But once a month, I still serve Summit Church through teaching with their teaching team as they also work through the book of Ephesians. Resources, finances, expertise, what does it look like to collaborate together? That through much prayer and intentionality and definitely God's help, we grow disciples and develop local church leaders and equip church planters. And through all of those avenues, we pray that we can be part of shaping the upstate of South Carolina for generations to come through the church because the church is God's vehicle to accomplish his mission of redemption. Biblical conviction, strategic outworking. And just as a point of clarity, it's not just summit and fellowship at the table in regards to strategically partnering. City Lights, Griggs Memorial, others will also be a part of the collective as we continue to grow and multiply. I'm so excited about that. And, and, and one of the reasons that those churches I just mentioned are at the table with us, you know, Summit's at the table and City Lice is at the table and Griggs is at the table is because historically there has, this been, there has been this commitment of the people, the church that is Fellowship Greenville investing in partnering with those churches. And you even see it here again, go back to verse 27 because you see it in, a, in another, even, another avenue. Now in these days, prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch and one of them named Agabus stood up and foretold by the spirit, there's gonna be a great famine all over the world. So the disciples determined everyone according to his ability to send relief to the brothers living in Judea. And they did so sending it to the elders by the hand of Barnabas and Saul. So you see, this is so cool to me, you see this young church, the church of Antioch, from the very beginning, living with their hands open, giving to the church in Judea, right? And in doing so, giving back to the ones that had brought the gospel to Antioch, discipled those in Antioch. 
And what you see from the very beginning as you read through the book of Acts is you see that the early church was committed to releasing their assets, not simply protecting them. As a matter of fact, if you keep reading in Acts, you're gonna see that this community, church family, you're gonna see this community of Christ followers, they actually release Barnabas and Saul to go and be missionaries. But they loved Barnabas and Saul. They had invested so much in them, that's right. And now we're gonna release them, that's right. Why would that be? Because from the very beginning, that's what the church has been about. So this would be the fourth thing I would say about the collective. We wanna release our assets. And I know you know this, but it's probably worth pointing out and celebrating today, because we're talking about it. Fellowship and Summit both have a really solid reputation in this community and in this region and across the globe for living with their hands open. Like we regularly have the opportunity to invest in people and organizations and other churches in our spheres of influence. And that's because it's something that's modeled for us throughout scripture. And Charlie's gonna come up at the end here and talk more about the specifics, but I'll just say this. Uh, We are a generous church because we are made up of a generous people. As a matter of fact, you could say that about each of the descriptors we've discussed this morning in regards to the church. We are a mobilizing, discipling, collaborating, releasing church because we are actually made up of and want to continue to grow in being a mobilizing, discipling, collaborating, and releasing people. As you are, so are we. Like that's the beauty of the church. And that stands out oftentimes in a culture and this is some of your history and places that you've come from. You weren't known for the church you were part of maybe, wasn't known for mobilizing and discipling and collaborating and releasing. Maybe what you've been a part of in the past or what you've observed about the church and the reason you've been hesitant to be a part of a church is because what they were known for was being collecting and just organizing for themselves and competing with other churches and protecting their assets. This slide kind of points it out, I think. A self-focused church is a collecting community committed to simply building their organization, is a competing culture, and protects their assets. And it's not the way of the early church. And it is not the call of us here at Fellowship Greenville, Summit Church, and any church that will be a part of the collective Churches that are committed to mobilizing all of Christ's people, actually making, building disciples, and we know we're doing that when you as a disciple are actually discipling others. Not because you went through a class we had. Committed to being a collaborating culture, committed to releasing our assets. That's at the heart of the Upstate Church Collective. But it's at the heart of the collective because it's biblical conviction. I wanted to close by pointing out one more thing. Maybe the most encouraging thing for me as I studied this passage. Did you notice who was talking about Jesus in Antioch when they landed in that city, fleeing from their persecution? Look at verse 20. But there were some of them, men of Cyprus and Cyrene, 
Who? Exactly. Ordinary nobodies who had the audacity to believe that their story of grace playing out in that moment in time of all of human history mattered much in God's grand story of redemption. Ordinary nobodies who had been changed by the gospel and wanted to share it even though they had fled persecution. Ordinary nobodies who wanted to live intentionally, to be on mission in their city, that were committed to their circle of influence. Because the day you and I are truly broken over the lostness of the places we do life, that will be the day that you become a missionary disciple in those places. And I don't know how it all plays out. I don't know what it looks like in one year, five years, 10 years, 20 years, 50 years. But if nothing else was said other than there were some men and women of Greenville, South Carolina. There were some men and women of Spartanburg. There were some men and women of Tigerville. There were some men and women of Greer. There were some men and women of Traveler's Rest. then I think that'd be pretty fantastic. My prayer is that we would continue to be a mobilizing, discipling, collaborating, releasing church in the years to come. I pray that these descriptors of the early church in verse 21, 23, and 24 would be true of us. Look back with me if you were just really quickly. Verse 21, the hand of the Lord was with them, it says. Verse 23, he came and he saw the grace of God amongst them. Verse 24, and a great many people were added to the Lord. May that describe us. By the hand of God, by the grace of God, that the Lord would continue to draw people to himself and use us as he sees fit that we would all collectively be found reaching people, equipping people, releasing our assets, collaborating with other churches, planting new churches, revitalizing existing churches, because we have been given another day to make much of Jesus, because this is for us, but it's so much bigger than us. That's how I've always thought of this invitation to get in on God's mission of redemption. It's for me. It's so much bigger than me. For some of you, the most 
strategic and intentional decision you could make today and in the weeks to come is to realize the invitation that has been extended to you that is for you while embracing and relishing in the fact that it is so much bigger than you. Some friends wrote a song that I feel like capture the heart, captures the heart of what we're wanting to say and proclaim as the Upstate Church Collective launches in January. And kind of our closing prayer this morning before Charlie comes up to dismiss us. I asked the worship team if they would just uh, sing this over us this morning. Take a look at these words on the screen.
God who bends. You are the God who saves. You are the God who prospers. Evil has no claim. You are the God who builds. You are the one who saves. You are the God who prospers. Fervently we pray. You are the God who builds. You are the one who saves. You are the God who prospers. Evil has no claim. You are the God who builds. You are the one who saves. You are the God who prospers. Fervently we as a prayer together. It's for us, but it's bigger than us. And we feel strongly that God has blessed us and equipped us and called us to raise up the next generation of church leaders here in the upstate in a way that we have not done in all the years that I've been here at Fellowship Greenville in a much more strategic way. Now, what that means is for some of you who are already leading here at Fellowship Greenville, you'll want to be in uh, the, one of the first two tracks uh, to be better equipped at uh, leading and making disciples. Uh, some, of, uh, some others of you, you have been trained, you've been discipled in the past, and you can step in and help us. Uh, you can help by being a coach to a, a team of another two or three people. We need coaches in tracks one and two. Some of you have an interest in full-time local church ministry of some sort, and so there may be a place for you in track three, which kicks off in 2023, but you need to go ahead and sign up now for that, and uh, you can apply online 
at Upstate Church Collective or upstatecollective.org. You can go ahead and, and fill out the application for that. And then some of you uh, can give generously to help this whole thing get off to a good start. Now, let me just say, about, say this about uh, giving and asking for money. I know that that's a, 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 it's a tough subject to talk about, especially in churches. But those of you that have been around uh, for a good long time, you know that we don't talk about money very much. Um, I've been here 25 years and I bet I could count on one hand how many times I've talked about money apart from a scripture passage that talks about money. So this isn't something we talk about all the time. I think the last time that I challenged you to give over and above your offerings uh, was when we, raised, we were, had a goal of raising $500,000 to start City Lights Fellowship to plant that church. And you generously gave over a million dollars to do that. And it was just amazing. Now, our desire is, as Jason said, to raise a million dollars to meet the opportunity before us. A million dollars. That's a lot of money. And whenever I'm asked to give money to something, I want to know, I want to know if there's evidence that God has been working. And there, he has been working in so many different ways. But I, I thoroughly believe that when uh, God shows you where he's working, that's your invitation to join him there. And one of the things that I see as evidence of that God is working in this and he wants this to happen is the fact that we've already uh, received over five and a half uh, uh, $550,000. dollars I got a mic, but I'm still messing up. So uh, $550,000 and with another $185,000 pledged, that leaves $265,000 uh, to reach that million dollar goal. Now, here's the big picture of how the money will be spent. It'll be spent on leading and planting and revitalizing and in strategic partnerships. And by the way, this, when you leave this morning, the ushers will be at the door and you can take this and you can read more specifically about each one of those. And then we have a budget that goes into far more detail than this here. But this is, this is the summary. This is uh, the overview of the fund breakdown. But leadership development, uh, staffing and project management, coaching, training and develop, development um, for planting and revitaliz revitalization. Um, we're talking about church revitalization grants to help uh, these churches that are about ready to close their doors, but they're like with Summit in Spartanburg, they merged with a church that was about ready to shut their doors. Some has also been given, can I say that? Say whatever you'd like, Charles. Okay, I, I can say whatever, my, I got the microphone now. So uh, they've been given another building. You see these, these churches that are closing they're, they're, those buildings are available. And this is already happening. That's another evidence. But anyway, and then strategic partnerships. One of the greatest things that I've witnessed in all of uh, the work that has been so far, done so far is that uh, Jason and Todd Milby have these great network uh, resources like with Stadia, Reliant. I have one with Fellowship Associates, Catapult, these kinds of things. We've got organizations that we're working with that we don't have to reinvent the wheel. And so this is one of the reasons why these things are, are moving as quickly as they are. But, um, but if you've been around fellowship, 
grateful for any length of time, you know that we basically have uh, three separate funds to which we encourage you to give. There's the general fund that finances the ministry that serves you and cares for you and your family on a week-by-week basis. There's the benevolence fund that helps us help those in need. And then there's the missional impact fund that finances advancing the gospel with local and global partners with missionaries and ministries around the world. And then this UCC, the the, uh, Upstate Church Collective, is going to be a fourth fund to which we encourage you to give. And it is a fund that will support equipping local church leaders, church planting, and church revitalization here in the Upstate and beyond. It's about equipping the next generation with the character and competency for faithful, lifelong ministry. We're asking that you help us make up that final $265,000 so when we kick this whole thing off in January, we will be uh, fully funded. And so what we're doing, and this is the way we always talk about money when we invite you to partner with us in something like this, we're just asking you to pray and ask God, God, what would you have me do in this? If this is for me and it's bigger than me, what, what, how am I supposed to be involved? And for some of you, you're gonna to wanna to sign up and be a part of one of the tracks. Some of you wanna be coaches. And some of you have the wherewithal where you can give over and above what you're already giving to help us uh, uh, fully fund the Upstate Church Collective. So again, if you would like to give, in this brochure that you'll receive this morning at the bottom of the, the page that has the breakdown, there's a QR code. It'll take you right to online to where you can give online or you can write a check and make that check out to Fellowship Greenville, but put Upstate Church Collective in the memo line and uh, we will thank you uh, in advance for your uh, generosity as we look forward to the future. Now, with all of that said, I have only one last thing to say, and that is, you are dismissed.